This industry moves so fast, information from six months ago or 12 months ago is potentially harmful to your business. People a year ago telling everyone to get into influencers. Yeah, we've been doing influencers since 2016. A year ago was the absolute worst time ever to get into it. Replace Shopify stock price with influencer rates. That's basically what we saw happen throughout 2020 and 2021, is that rates just doubled or tripled. Like that flood of money that happened, like it made everything go up. I don't think it's a great time for people to do large scale influencer campaigns. You will end up losing, but I think it's all adjusting down. As more ad dollars leave the market, as Facebook CPMs come down, all CPMs come down. It's a resetting market. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with Hashtag Paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Welcome to the D2C podcast, emergency edition. I am reconnecting here with Sean Frank, CEO of Ridge Wallet. Uh, we did a podcast, I think probably just over a month and a half ago. And it was around that time that I was like, okay, we're going to start putting together this uh, mastermind here in Victoria, British Columbia, calling it C-suite for founders and executives at D2C Brands. And I had just done the podcast with Sean. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta invite Sean to come out to Victoria for this mastermind. He's uh, He's got a lot of hot takes. He's trying to build the word e-com into his name in all sorts of ways. I'm sure he's got uh, some tattoos. Uh, I, and and I, I just emailed him and he's like, yeah, I'm coming, but I won't do slides. And I'm like, fine. This is what's an intimate event. This is not a this is not a talk on stage. This is a two-way discussion with 50 high-level D2C entrepreneurs. He said yes. The rest is history. Sean, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm excited to go to Victoria, British Columbia. Do I fly into Vancouver? Do you have any tips? I would fly as direct as you can these days. You can definitely just fly into Vancouver. You can take the ferry over if you like, but I would try to get over here because the island is really where it's at. I have to say Vancouver is a great place. I love Vancouver, but the but Victoria is where it's at and where we're having this event in the marina. I was like, I was writing a sales email about it today and I was like, the only thing I'm worried about is when people will get distracted from Sean Frank's talk when there's an orca jumping in the harbor there, which is liable to happen in the location we're in. Nice, man. Well, I'm uh, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I've been to Port Angeles, and I think you can take a ferry directly across the strait and get to, get to the island, as you call it. But we'll deal with all that over email. Well, let's just dive into a little bit about like where we're at right now. It's funny, we're, I was just reading about, you know, we're, we're redefining the definition of recession in the United States right now. It's no longer two quarters of, of negative GDP growth. But I also, you know, the, the quarterly earnings of, of Meta came out the other day, and, and for the first time, I guess, ever, they're reporting uh, less revenue than they did the, the previous quarter. What do you make of where we're at in this whole global schmozzle? I have almost no political opinions. Everything I know revolves around the economy or e-commerce and how that affects me personally. But, uh, dude, changing the definition of depression is such... It's such a baby game. It's like, it's like if you're losing, you're like, like imagine you're playing a child at like some sort of card game and they're losing. They're like, well, we're going to change the rules now. Like that's exactly what happened. So yeah, just incompetence at every level of government throughout the United States. 
And then denying that that was the case, like it's like it's like some kind of gaslighting in a way where it was like, oh, this isn't the the, the metric that we had previously used for years when it and it was in most cases. It sounds like. Yeah, and like like what is changing that word gonna gonna do? Like, did are they like oh magically things are good? <laughs> it's like you fucking, it's so stupid, man. Uh, so look, uh, the U.S. economy is in an interesting spot. Happy to dive into that. But I have no faith in government of any party at any level. Uh, it's been described to me that the U.S. government isn't supposed to function. Like by design, it's not supposed to function. Like it's not supposed to get anything done. Because when humans interfere with systems, we break them. Like the, the examples are China's one-child policy, pugs. If you've ever seen a pug, like they can't breathe. Like we made that. And that famous story in India about like, the British government wanted to get rid of snakes, so they put out a bounty on snake heads. So people started breeding snakes because that's the logical thing to do. Anytime we try to interrupt like a natural system, we do a horrible job. So the government's supposed to do nothing, basically, be incapable of doing stuff. And natural systems were- Like a QWERTY keyboard. Yeah. Like a QWERTY keyboard, just slowing down the rate of type. Uh, that, that's the best that we can hope for from government. Well, this podcast is not for discussing government. I could get in a lot of trouble if I started down that path. So let's stick with some of the quarter. I know, I know you're, you like to hang out on quarterly earnings calls. We've seen Meta's results. I think Walmart and some of the other big players are in right now. What are you seeing at this moment in the, let's call it the, the tech and e-com economy? Yeah, look, it was a, it was a big week. This should just turn into a finance podcast, man. You could ask me questions. I could not prepare. It'd be great. Uh, it was a big it was a big earnings week, right? I think Amazon's today, uh, but then there was Meta, there was Shop, there was Walmart. Um, I'm still like I was texting my my friends like I'm very long uh, Facebook. Like everything Meta is doing is fantastic. Um, like yes, revenue went down one percent year over year. You know that's. For like for like size of player they are right like for revenue to go down like at all is obviously concerning right like Am- uh, Apple's going to report today their revenue is going to be up right but I think Walmart was down way more than one percent I think they were down three percent right and a bunch of D 2 C brands right like I did a breakdown of uh, AKA I did a breakdown of Elf like AKA was down six percent or something so. Um, Facebook's still showing user growth globally, like 3.6 billion people use the platform. When they say that number, it's fucking insane, right? 3.6 billion people, uh, they're not available in China. So they have like four out of five people they can possibly get, right? Using one of their platforms every single month. And they talked about Reels and the shift to focus on Reels. And they're like, look, Reels is already a billion dollar ad unit for us. Like it's reached that number faster than stories did. And obviously stories took over everything. So it to me, like Facebook's down another 10% today. Um, but they put up $6 billion in profit in Q2. Like, yeah, $28 billion in revenue, $6 billion, maybe $7 billion in profit. It's so hard to bet on that. I mean, they can essentially buy all of Snapchat from profits twice a year. You know what I mean? Like, they can buy, in one quarter, they can buy all of Pinterest, right? They, they're they so cash rich, and they're such a good product, and like, it's still, revenue is essentially flat, down 1%, who cares? It's essentially flat. So. I'm super long Facebook. I think they win in the end. It's so hard to bet against them. And and people are, you know, we're talking, we're nitpicking over, um, I saw a great uh, thread that you had about Instagram and people were complaining about how they're not seeing enough of their friends and kind of Reels is taking over. But just the fact that they basically have taken their most popular app 
uh, in Instagram and have now sort of made it kind of TikTok light as well and are still succeeding. Like they're still like the fact that Reels has become such a profitable, successful ad unit for them when they're essentially just kind of like ripping off another platform's format in a way and succeeding with it. So it's like even though people are like, oh, it's a little janky, it's not, you know, they're saying it's not what they may want. It's it's still working really well. Yeah, it's a classic thing in venture. People don't know what they want. You know what I mean? Like they don't know what they want until you show it to them. And people complaining like, oh, Instagram's supposed to be for my friends or whatever. Uh, ask a 25-year-old when was the last time they posted on Instagram, right? Like outside of stories, like normal people aren't creating content on that platform anymore, right? Like for whatever reason, like, like you know, the novelty wore off or they're scared of like – not being seen as cool or, or whatever, this idea of social media has essentially gone away, right? Like social media being like people you directly know interacting. It's like my whole argument is that like the social medias are, you know, group chats or Snapchat or, you know, whatever WhatsApp's doing or, or Twitter or Facebook, you know, like for parents, like that's like a, a true social media. People really want to be entertained. They want like a content platform. That's what TikTok proved. That's what YouTube proves. That's, those are not social apps. Like there's social interaction, but you're not seeing your friend's content. You're seeing the best content from professionals because your friends are boring. That's my whole point is that how, how often do you want to see the same stupid fucking photos that your friends took? I'm sure they're lovely. I'm sure you love your friends, but you really want the best. And there's best. levels of friends. Like my brother, I want to care about my brother's cappuccino or my brother's vacation maybe, but my business acquaintance from XYZ, like I don't care where they're traveling, right? Like it's, just, there's, it's very stratified where there's like a lot of, of that content I'm just not interested in. Yeah, so we're, everything is just a sub for a different screen, right? So like, uh, it used to be like you had this like social, like this digital social aspect, and that was Facebook or it was Instagram in the early days. But now it's like, no, your phone is replacing your television. And what is your television used for? It's used for entertainment. So Reels is just a great entertainment solution, right? It's like the it's it's in vogue right now, and. All this hype around TikTok feels a lot like the hype that was around Snapchat, and now Snapchat's essentially irrelevant. Um, it's just so hard. Like TikTok is trying to get to a revenue target this year that is, I, I think they're trying to hit 12 billion, right? Uh, in total revenue for this year, Facebook profit in Q2 was $7 billion. So in six months, they make more in profit than entire revenue for TikTok. It's so hard to bet against Facebook, like if you look at those numbers. So uh, I'm long-term Facebook. I'm short Shopify. I've, I've been against Shopify as a standout stock for so long. People talk about it. Shopify posted really impressive revenue growth. I think it was like 15% or 10% top line revenue growth year over year, which is super impressive, but they don't they don't talk about new store growth, right? Like they've added a bunch of merchants. They, they highlight that, but like they don't break down same store growth year over year. So it doesn't give you a good health of like the e-com economy, right? They could just be winning more business, but eventually they win all the business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like signing new merchants or converting legacy accounts, like that works for a long time, but then you, you, you have to start expanding the accounts you have. That's what Salesforce taught us, right? And like, Shopify is supposed to be the sales force for e-commerce, right? Like with like this full suite of tools or whatever. Um, anyway, and they lost a ton of money. They lost $1.5 billion. So like <laughs> it's their revenue isn't that impressive to lose that much money. And, and uh, I just don't see how they ever rebound to being 
I think they were worth fucking $300 billion at some point. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see how that happens short term at all. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a multi-year journey, a five, 10-year journey to ever get back to the valuation. And, you know, so my brother's worked for uh, Shopify for, for quite a while now. Um, he survived. Was he laid season. off? He was not okay. laid off. He was survived, but he knows a, a heavy number of people who, who were and like incredibly bright, talented, dedicated people. Like you know, there's just an, probably an absolute glut of really great talent on the market right now because of things like this. But you say you're short. You're short on the stock, but are you short on Shopify as a product, or like, or is it just they're sort of prisoners of their own success because they had such crazy high valuation? Um. Them as a product. No, I still use Shopify. I think I think it's a very good backend solution. People have talked about the the aging out of it for a long time, right? Like at a certain point, you know, I looked at the numbers. Ridge makes up a non-insignificant amount of their revenue. Like I'm not going to tell you that the actual amount, but like for a company worth forty billion dollars, I we make up a a chunk of their revenue, right? Not in the single percentages, but like enough that like, it's like, okay, that's scary. And at a certain point, like a brand bigger, like, you know, I have two friends who do 500 million a year plus on their websites. They're not on Shopify, right? They're like, we have all of these custom requirements and all of this stuff, security, weird fucking ERP, like all these different plugins. We're like, they can't go to Shopify. They've, they've, they're too big. They've aged out of it. They're too complex. And I'm just worried that like, Shopify is really serving mid-market solutions, right? Even with Ridge with nine figures in revenue, right? We're not at 500 million yet, but you know, nine, nine figures in revenue, we're considered a mid-market brand, right? Like normal people need to start thinking like, you know, how banks think, right? Like if I, if I talk to JP Morgan, I start being able to talk about being a mid-market brand with them when I get to nine figures in revenue, right? So Shopify has really built this brand off of small businesses and maybe some mid-sized businesses but like I know they're making a push into large size businesses but you know what would it take to get Walmart to run their infrastructure on Shopify right I think they, they did a custom build with Target for something and like the complexity when you start getting to 500 million or a billion in revenue it like it just ends up being a whole different beast so that's like there's I'm worried about that ceiling there right I'm also worried about air being removed in the small side of the market. Like I think you and I talked and I said, it's a horrible time to launch an e-commerce company. So like with less people doing that, with the fact that we're in an e-com bear market, like long-term, I, I don't know what their, their growth strategy is gonna be. The other thing is looking at where they make their revenue. One third of their revenue comes from subscriptions. Two third of their revenue comes from essentially interchange fees. Um, Which happen on scale, right? That's why you guys make up a good chunk of their, of their revenue you're saying is because they take a, a fee on every sale you make. Right. And that's one of those things where it's essentially a commodity service. So like, it'd be very hard for them to increase my interchange fees by 50%. Like if they just, cause I would freak out <laughs> it, 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 because it's a commodity service that's like, has a known price quantity, right? It's, it's set by Visa and Amex and MasterCard or whatever. So, um, look, man, uh, I think they have incredibly smart leadership. I think they're, they try to stay on the cutting edge. I've always said their biggest problem was they don't have an audience, right? Like they've been Facebook's checkout for, for, for years <laughs> and their TikToks checkout, like they're essentially just like the checkout engine. They're a very great checkout engine. I, I always feel like I'm talking shit about them. I feel like I have to because everyone's so positive about them. Like everyone fucking sucks their dick on Twitter. Like Shopify is this great thing. And it's fantastic. It's a great product. I use the product. I'm a power user of the product. I give them five figures every single month. <laughs> you know what I mean? But 
because of that, it's like, look, we just have to be aware of like what their faults are, right? Like they need incredibly strong product leadership for the next five years. What are they going to do to own audience and increase their share of e-commerce transactions, right? Like this arm the rebels thing worked until you end up just kind of being a conglomerate and like, and now you're just kind of like a, <laughs> you're a bunch of city states versus the nation that is Amazon. And um, we'll see, man. Okay, so but with with all these things kind of happening, these order these quarterly earnings numbers dropping, the recession getting postponed, have you made any pivots in your plans or strategies for the rest of the year? Are you overemphasizing or de-emphasizing aspects of your plan to make it the biggest Q4 ever? Yeah. So we're shift. I mean, you know, Q1 was up seventy percent year over year. Um, that felt unsustainable, so we pe- we've pulled that back a little bit. Q2 is up, you know, 35 to 40 percent year over year. July is going to be up like 50 percent year over year. But we're like our main focus is taking it day by day at this point. Like originally, we went into this year and we're like, this is what we're going to do every month. Like we had everything planned out. Quickly, we're like, let's get away from that plan. <laughs> let's just focus on like uh, being profitable on a day by day basis and maximizing our like our, our cash on hand goals, right? Um, so, you know, what are we gonna do for Q4? We're, we're gonna make the best decision in the moment. That's what we're gonna do. I don't we're have- Continue to acquire customers profitably. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna run ads profitably. That's what we're gonna do. Um, you know, we don't have investors. We're not a public company. I don't have to make projections and hold myself to them, right? The reason why you saw shop stock drop and snap drop is because they had earnings projections and then they have to come out and say they're going to miss them. And that's the, that disconnect really fucks with their stock price in the market or whatever, right? Um, you know, because people talk about price to earnings ratios and future price to earning ratios, but those assume the earnings projections are right. And when they're not right, the company ends up, you, you end up getting a spiral to try to find like what the true value is. So anyway, all I'm saying is Ridge doesn't have any of that. Uh, what I can tell you about Ridge is, doing six figures every single day, putting up five figures in profit every single day. And we're going to, I mean, close to six figures in profit every single day. And we're going to keep doing that throughout the year. And in Q4, those numbers get bigger. So um, that sounds good. Yeah, man. Just, yeah, yeah. Surviving. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Thriving. That's the theme of the mastermind. You got to scratch out surviving. It's thriving in the downturn. It sounds like you're positioned to, uh, to do just that. One thing we didn't talk about on our last podcast, and I've seen you kind of talk about it elsewhere a little bit, is I know you you've just you've run influencers at just at an unbelievable scale. I think I think you talked about having a you know over a hundred person you know influencer launch on our last podcast. We didn't get into details. Um, you know we're seeing right now like speaking of like ad prices on Meta, we're seeing like our user acquisition costs. I shouldn't even be saying this, but they're just so low right now for lead generation, and it's all reels, it's all influencer or or UGC or just sort of testimonial style content. Just from the influencer side of things, you've worked with you know thousands or uh, of influencers. What is the influencer economy looking like today? Because I know when this rush, it's funny. Like D 2 C has been harping on influencer and UGC as like you know really the prime stuff of all ad campaigns for over a year, over two years now. And so I feel like so many brands have rushed into the influencer and and the UGC space. What are influencer costs looking like today versus a year ago? You know, I was talking to a friend this morning and I was talking to his media buyer. His, his media buyer was asking, you know, me and my CMO questions about like what to do right now. And talking to them, it very much felt like they had 
2018 levels of knowledge, right? Which is like, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk shit on them or the brand or whatever, but it, it felt like they were very much cemented in a past that, you know, it's only four years, but it feels foreign. You know what I mean? Um, and what I equate that to is like, what if I told someone that, you know, they, they should really be selling on eBay right now, right? Like that knowledge is only like 10 years old, but you know, it's the wrong thing, right? And I think what I'm trying to get at is, this industry moves so fast that information from three months ago or six months ago or 12 months ago is potentially harmful to your business, right? So, you know, people a year ago telling everyone to get into influencers, like, yeah, we've been doing influencers since 2016. A year ago was the absolute worst time ever to get into it. <laughs> like, uh, because we saw just like, just look at here, I'll pull up. Uh, what's a good example? Maybe Shopify stock price over the past five years, right? That's basically, if you just look at that chart, uh, that's basically replace Shopify stock price with influencer rates. That's basically what we saw happen throughout 2020 and 2021 is that rates just doubled or tripled. <laughs> so like, like the entire market, like that flood of money that happened, like it all, it, every, it made everything go up, right? Because you had companies rushing to SPAC or rushing to go public or trying to show growth, just dumping money in influencer. Crypto is a big problem there. So what's happening with influencer now is the same thing happening in the VC market, the same thing happening in every market is, is there's a difference between buyers and sellers, right? Like uh, price memory is sticky. So like people are anchored at whatever price, you know, some crypto like Celsius coming in, offering you a hundred thousand dollars for a post or whatever, like that's in their brain that my post are worth a hundred thousand dollars. Well, Celsius is out of business now. They are bankrupt. You know what I mean? So like, so that buyer's out, but like the seller of that ad space still has price, you know, there's still price anchored at that. So we're watching that slowly come down and then people are still buying at those prices and, you know, brands are still keeping the influencer artificially high because they still want to do influencer marketing. It still feels like a good time to get into it. Um, but it's not, I, I still, I still don't think if I, like, I, I don't think it's a great time for people to do large scale influencer campaigns, like willy nilly. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I'm just going to deploy money wherever. Like you, you will end up losing. Um, but I think, I think it's all adjusting down, right? As, as more ad dollars leave the market, as Facebook CPMs come down, all CPMs come down. So it's a resetting market. What? Um, yeah, and I, and I guess there's a difference between, you know, what we're talking about influencers where you're probably using them for their scale or their audience. How do you actually price? That, that, that was one question I had. Like, you're talking about prices coming down. How, how does Ridge Wallet price influence? Yeah, so uh, I, I guess to, to further bifurcate what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about distribution influencers, right? Influencers, distribution influencers, exactly. Yeah. Influencers with distribution that you're buying like you would buy Facebook ads, right? The other thing is people creating content for you. We call those, you know, content creators, right? Like, uh, you know, your UGC ads or whatever, people just shooting stuff that like a, a studio or agency would shoot for you, right? Two totally different things that reach two totally different ends, right? The distribution-based influencers, what, like, what are you paying for? You're paying for distribution. You're paying for impressions, just like you would buy Facebook impressions. And we price those accordingly. So... What are you paying on Facebook right now to reach a thousand new people? And what would you pay to reach a thousand people through that influencer? And you should come up with something that's pretty comparable, right? You know, and like, because that's always the alternative. I see some people getting quitted $300, like basically 
per thousand impressions. And it's like, yeah, that's never gonna work. Never run that. Because would you run a Facebook ad that at a $300 CPM? And it's like, with Facebook, you get targeting, you get your own creative. With the influencer stuff, you get, you know, the authenticity. You didn't get proof that it happened. Right. You didn't get proof that they saw it. Yeah, yeah. So like there's pros and cons to each one, but they are directly competing with each other. They're competing for your ad dollars, right? So I would just think about it like that. Um, and then the UGC stuff, like, oh, I mean, we think about that just like the cost of creating ads. It's like, it's, I talked to Raindrop, the agency, you know, that's 60, that's 60K for two videos. Like that's a pretty good value. You talk to VidGrow, it's maybe... 15k a video like like that's all just like what you pay agencies and then what you pay ugc is like i don't know a couple hundred bucks a video or whatever and there's a whole system to do that totally so you're we're bringing you out to victoria we're gonna be is it your first time in canada even my first time in victoria i've been been to vancouver several times nice yeah as a pacific northwest northwest lad um and we were asked i asked you earlier if you'd been to a mastermind before you and you said you haven't been to a mastermind but my question is then where where do you go for mentorship and for guidance in this space yeah i'm lucky that uh i originally had nowhere to go so before the pandemic i lived with my cmo connor my entire life was e-commerce and agencies and shit so like i didn't have to look anywhere else it's like whatever my group of friends were that's what we were doing and working on the pandemic happened it made it harder to access the people i knew irl so i had to look online for people doing it the first place i found was ecom fuel uh you know it's a cool forum I recommend people join there's probably a couple thousand e-commerce stores in there just like talking and sharing or whatever and that was awesome but i what i ended up finding was like a very closed conversation um which is good because stuff stays private and like people are you know being very intimate about you know hiring decisions or whatever but um i wanted to have just more open points of view so i started posting on twitter and that's how i met a bunch of people um my number one advice is people are really scared to make content that's what it comes down to like why don't you post on instagram why don't you make youtube videos why don't you have a podcast people are scared to make content just start fucking posting whatever nobody cares <laughs> like if you look like i look like an idiot all the time i don't fucking like especially i'm at a point in my life where nobody can take anything away from me it's like you can't get me fired <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm fucking like i can do whatever i want right uh just start posting on on the internet, start creating content. And yeah, so I started meeting people on Twitter and then I, I developed friendships and I have a bunch of group chats now of like a bunch of e-commerce brands that we can just talk about and shoot the shit and lean on as emotional support because I think it's a very lonely industry, right? Doctors, dentists, lawyers, they have meetups, they have conventions, they, they have schools you can go to and get that done, right? Even working on a big company like Shopify or Facebook or whatever, you have coworkers who do your same thing, you could talk and commiserate. Uh, we don't have any of that. And there's no path to be successful in e-commerce, right? Like, you know, I, I have 10 friends with stores over $100 million. Each one has an entirely different way of how they got into it. There's no path at all. It's just like a bunch of weirdos getting together. So it's the most successful people I know. And they're also like, there's no clear path to it. So everyone really, everyone's lonely in doing it. So they really appreciate coming together. So I found it, it's a very welcoming group of people. Yeah, I've, I've found that throughout my, my time putting on events and masterminds as well. And it's like when you bring these people together, they, they end up with such complementary experiences where, like you say, you'll have five entrepreneurs that, that all hit these amazing thresholds. They all did it in different ways. They'll all have a different skill set built up. They'll all be able to complete each other's skill sets in ways that they wouldn't have been able to imagine, right? Because everyone just finds their own path forward and uh, muddles through as, as we do. Yeah, man, it's like that that giant robot from the Power Rangers. Everybody coming together, you know what I mean? Uh, you could form a 
a super e-commerce store. I'm so glad you brought up Power Rangers. The first time Power Rangers dropped on this podcast uh, brings me way back. Well, very cool. What, what, like from a high level? I like you're. Uh, we're all gonna sit in a room. There's gonna be. I think there's gonna be 50 people there. There's gonna be you. We're just gonna be shooting the shit. What can people expect from a Sean Frank uh, mastermind session? Man, uh, I'm gonna say expect the unexpected because I'm not gonna prepare. <laughs> so, so, Love it. I have nothing. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about whatever. I mean, happy to, to, to go in the weeds on whatever. Uh, I'll bring my computer so I can show you guys some some stuff I'm working on. I don't know, right? Uh, no, like, look, I think I think if it's going to be agency owners, we should just take a hard look in the mirror and be like, do you think your clients are going to succeed in the next year? Like, with or without your work, with or without whatever, it's like, are, do they have strong businesses? It's like, that's the big thing. And the reason why I'm so scared for agency owners, it's like, Look at look at your clientele. Who do you think is smart enough to get through a downturn? <laughs> like, like just ask the, who's gonna lead their business through that. Um, just be aware of that. Uh, for brand owners, it's just gonna be like, let's talk about profitability. Q4 is coming up. Like, let's talk. Like, do how much profit did your store turn yesterday? Think about that. Let's do you have an answer? I have an exact answer. I have a. I can tell you every day for the past three years how much how much it turned. Right. Um, so anyway, we'll, take, we'll go through all that stuff. But uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. It's gonna be good. I think, uh, yeah, the format that we're that we're going for here, it's gonna be these 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 talks, and then we're hoping to make some time for like workshops, especially where people can kind of split into smaller groups and go deeper on specific topics, or actually start implementing some of the things. Because I find when you go to these things, sometimes you'll you'll get all these amazing ideas, uh, and there's no, and then you'll end up you end up integrating one or two of them and paying for the cost of your trip. But like there's and there's so many more that that could be uh, sort of captured and potentially implemented, or at least noted down in a way that they can be revisited later. So we're planning a bunch of fun stuff. We're going to plan one of the best seafood dinners you've ever had. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. It's this, the sales are starting to come in here. Um, and the quality of the attendee that's coming in is great. We just got verbal confirmation on a really exciting speaker who's coming in that I'll be announcing probably uh, next week. Really excited to add him to the mix as well, man, Sean, it's gonna be fun. Can't wait for it. All right, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.